Is knowing your employees average enough to go on when considering changes to the work environment? We're back with Dr. Patrick Gallagher and Dr. Amalia Yansel to explore how to negotiate average dispositions. The, the point is that you can't apply the average to an individual. So yeah, on average, extroverts will like being around people more than introverts. That's that's generally true. If, if you have an extrovert versus an introvert, somebody who scores high versus somebody who scores low, the extrovert's probably going to prefer more than the other person to, to be around people more. In general, that's true. But there are people right in the middle of the scale. There are people above the average. There are people below the average as far as scores. Um, and there there might be an introvert that thrives on being around people at work. And that's 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 fine. And and if you sort of identify somebody as an introvert and then sort of assume and you proceed as if all these other things are going to be true, oh, they're going to want their own office, they're going to want quiet, they're going to want to be away from other people, you're really risking uh missing a whole lot of aspects of personality that are very important. And putting people in a box and, you know, kind of stereotyping, essentially, it's what it is. Uh, if, uh, if, if you treat all introverts a certain way and all extroverts a different way and, and make assumptions about their whole character based on that introversion, extroversion score, um, and maybe not even their whole character. I'm being a little, um, uh, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but if you, if you make a lot of assumptions about people's work preferences, based on their introversion extroversion score it's probably not going to work out and you know relying too much on introversion extroversion to to make these kind of decisions and figure out these issues probably won't be very useful there's also the the element of the informal connections that are occurring at work so you know you go to the office and you do your job whatever that may be but your um, efficiency in our efficiency, right, at work, where the product of our work is also largely influenced by the informal um, interactions that we have at work. I remember reading an article uh, in the few months after after uh, the pandemic hit the U.S. about some high-tech company that noticed that the creativity levels um, in, in the work that their staff was producing was decreasing. And they were explaining that by the fact that a lot of the conversations that led to creative endeavors were happening in the cafeteria or when people were just walking on the hallway and they would meet and greet each other and talk about their latest ideas. So mm -hmm. since that didn't happen naturally, because everything needed to be scheduled in um, video conferences, then here it is. Here you have an informal aspect that has to do with the environment that can be easily discounted, right? Because that it doesn't necessarily have to do with the nature of the work, but it still happens. We don't just go to the office, turn on our computer or whatever type of work we do, and we just focus on that. There is a lot of informal interactions that go around that influence work in um, unexpected ways. So 
um, there, there is a lot to, to be said about that for sure. And again, I'm kind of bringing back the nature of the work. It's so important. It plays such an important role of whether um, going back to the office is exciting or not beyond preferences. A lot of, um, for example, of what what we do requires direct um, face-to-face interaction with people. So, of course, we have provided virtual experiences, but whether I'm an introvert or not, I'm noticing that I'm missing the the, the information that I'm getting from um, face-to-face interaction. There is a lot that goes into um, the ability to facilitate an experience, to facilitate a program when the person is in the room, right? I'm, I'm reading them differently and automatically I'm responding them differently. Whereas when I'm um, doing this virtually, my uh, brain is trying to pick up cues that are just not there virtually, you know? So again, it's um, it goes to those to the familiarity of the environment in which I've been used to work, and my experience tells me that I'm just doing better when I'm doing this type of work with being present with with the people in the, in the room as opposed to doing it virtually. So it, it's the nature of the work, and it's just the familiarity of the situation. You know, you make such an interesting point because I hadn't really thought about it, but reflecting on it, I I really feel the urge to make sure that my ideas are pretty full-baked before I schedule WebEx with someone to talk about it. I don't schedule a 30-minute WebEx to say, hey, I got an idea. What do you think about this? Do you have a couple minutes? For so many reasons, right? I, I don't see how busy they are, so I worry that I'm going to bother them. I worry that I'm going to schedule a 30-minute meeting and only use five minutes, and that'll be annoying. And and I just – I am not personally having those brainstorming sessions um, as frequently as I might before where I could just turn around or walk into the office next to me and say, hey, what do you think about this? What's your immediate reaction? Yeah, and that begs the question, you know, also how, how is this affecting generally the culture, uh, right? And um, the idea of um, belonging and connectedness um, in a team, like those two or seven minutes of interaction that you have with a, one of your teammates that you might not even get to work with, but it's it's just the idea of knowing, oh, you know, I I can interact with this person. I was (laughs) sending an email yesterday to Patrick to talk about uh, one of the projects that we've been working on, and I find myself asking him about something related to music, uh, right? So it's that type of conversation that if we were in the office, we'd be like, hey, have you listened to this? I've been listening to this over the weekend. What do you think about it? And sometimes it's from random conversations that come from uh, very different um, very different areas. So a, a lot of ideas come at the intersection of uh, different areas of interest. Um, and, and that has been my experience and throughout my entire career. A lot of the ideas that I've had for programs that we developed or for um, approaches came from conversations that were at the intersection 
um, between different um, and, and sometimes unexpected areas of interest. And I think um, for for a leader making a decision or thinking about how they're going to structure their work from home or their flexible work options, uh, I think one message is it's okay to ask your introverts to act, to act extroverts sometimes. It's okay to, to expect your extroverts to act introverted sometimes. Uh, you know, if if your workplace needs some opportunities for spontaneous interaction, then you should build your workplace to do that. And you should require or, you know, ask people to, to be in that workspace. And even if they're introverts, that's okay. You can ask them to sort of, um, you know, step out of their, their, their trait patterns or whatever it is. Um, you know, as long as you, it, it, not as long as, but you can also think about providing spaces where people who do prefer a quiet environment can go and, and give them that flexibility. Um, so, I, yeah, that's the, so, the message there is that uh, you don't have to build a certain environment to um, ac- accommodate certain stereotypes of certain traits. It's okay to ask or expect people to act certain ways, no matter what their trait standing is. And that's generally going to be healthy. And you can support people who have trouble, you know, a, a little more difficulty doing one thing versus another thing. You can try to see if you can support those people. Uh, but expecting that and asking that and, and um, you know, of your employees to, 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 you know, be in certain spaces and interact in certain ways is perfectly appropriate in, as far as I'm concerned. So that is, that is so interesting to me because that makes a lot of sense. And I, my rational side of my brain was like, yeah, of course you can ask an introvert to ask, to act extroverted. You can ask an extrovert to act introverted. But then there's another part of my brain that kind of like took a gasp and was like, wait, 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 we can't do that. That feels scandalous. That feels, that feels like the wrong attitude, Patrick. Like, why do you, do you have a reaction to that? Like, why would I have that reaction of like, ooh, no, we can't do that. That's not okay. A personality trait is is certainly part of your identity. And asking someone to act in a different way, it does, it, it can seem scandalous, I, I imagine. But, uh, you know, I don't, I think it's perfectly appropriate for a, for a workplace to ask for certain behaviors from their employees. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of companies who have customers ask their employees to be nice to those customers and to provide those customers good customer service. Um, you know, if I'm an employee and I and I clock in and and I have to, you know, I've worked in grocery stores. I've I've been a, a cashier and a and a bagger in grocery stores. Uh and there were days where I felt like I didn't want to talk to anybody coming through that line. And, and I, I was not happy that they just shopped there, but I had to act that way. That's what I was getting paid for. That was part of the job. Um, so I, maybe I'm old school. I don't think that's unreasonable. I, I think um, organizations should, should have certain expectations about behaviors and, um, and, and how people interact with each other. And like I said, as long as you sort of provide support and you have an understanding that certain people, it might be harder for certain people to learn a new skill than others 
other people because of their history, because of their background, because of their traits. Uh, and, you know, support those people. Give, give those people as much as you can, as much as is, uh, you know, reasonable. Provide them some some support when you can and understand them and ask them about their experience and and the difficulties they might be having or, uh, you know, things that they've never seen before that they're just learning for the first time or, or whatever it is. Um, and and support support people, but asking asking your employees for certain behaviors and types of interactions um, should be should be perfectly acceptable. It always has been, and I think it makes perfect sense. It's connected to the nature of the work that you are doing, right? <laughs> like if you if you work as a cashier and uh, you know you are expected to greet people and be nice to people, um, that's the nature of your work. Right, so it's the behaviors that are expected of you are in line with what um, doing that job well means. And if what doing that job well means is to um, exhibit behaviors that are considered extroverted while you're an introvert, then you do that. While also sometimes, right, there are situations in which the nature of the work um, might might ask you to uh, be more introverted than extroverted. So, in terms of the behaviors that you show, so so that's one thing. I I think that this is definitely really important to consider when making the, making decisions what the nature of the work is. And secondly, I go back to one aspect that I was talking about earlier. It's just, you know, as a leader, just having awareness of your own preferences. Um, we, we, we place a great emphasis on, on the um, self-awareness piece and how important that is. So having awareness that um, sometimes decisions do um, stem from your own individual preferences. So, just having awareness what 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 your individual preferences are, and and then notice um, how they may impact your decision if that is so. Um, and then, I think that flexibility comes um, comes with this awareness. You know, your own flexibility of thought that is going to be reflected in the flexibility of solutions that you are going to be able to provide. So what I'm hearing is that respecting that people experience varying degrees of introversion and extroversion, it's not inappropriate to ask them to behave in certain ways. What it sounds like you're suggesting is just allow the fact that some people might need to, you know, take a break and go you know, be quiet and still for a few minutes in order to perform the way that you are encouraging them to perform and to create an environment where you can let that person accommodate those different characteristics. So, and I'm thinking about, you know, at our campus at the Kelly S. King Center, we have these beautiful porches that extend the full lengths of the building. And and I have more than once, you know, between like a marathon day of meetings, after like the third or fourth meeting, sometimes I'll just go out there for five minutes and just be outside and quiet and listening to the birds just as like a little recharge so that I can go back and give my best. What I'm hearing is that kind of space 
um, that is a, a good thing to offer people and to make sure that that environment for them to electively select is, is what can really help leverage that extroversion versus introversion. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think probably even more important than building a, an awesome porch outside your building, like we are fortunate enough to experience, uh, but, you know, a lot of organizations might not, you know, have the resources to do that. But even more important than providing those spaces, in my mind, is your leadership teams, your your culture and your organization needs to respect those individual differences and understand that if you are asking someone uh, to do a lot of things that it's hard for them to do for a long time, you need to understand that you, sh you should give them some recovery time or you should give them the at least the understanding and the acceptance, the social acceptance to uh, to to kind of raise their hand and say, you know what, hang on a minute, give me give me 10 minutes, I need to take a break. Or um, I need to talk to, you know, this this other person a little more about this this certain topic that that culture of acceptance and um you know awareness of yourself and awareness of other people that culture i i would predict i i would say i, I like i said i would predict that culture would be more important and more supportive than necessarily a physical space so again, um, another another consideration for organizations who it might not be as reasonable to ask them or expect them to provide certain certain actual architecture. Uh, the culture might be even more important. Uh, Patrick, I, I heard you talking about acceptance, and and that is so important when it comes to um, you know respecting individual differences that might be the result of introversion, extroversion, or might just simply be the result of uh, you being a complex human being with um, numerous other traits to consider um, beyond introversion, extroversion. Um, for example, if you notice that your employee is producing extremely high quality work when focusing um, on themselves, you know, like being being working on themselves as opposed to maybe working in a team, maybe you know that that's that's what works best for that person. They tend to produce great quality work when they have the time to be reflecting on a situation as opposed to being in an environment in a team environment. Um, so, so then you you really need to look at individual differences, and you also need to look at what what industry you are in. There is definitely research that shows that well, open space might work really well in some um, in some industries. I think in in the um, IT world, I remember reading an article um, a few years ago about the uh, programmers of video games whose efficiency was measured by um, the level of errors that they were having, and they seemed to be um, producing higher quality of work if they were in their own individual spaces as opposed to open space where there was more 
um, distractibility from what they were doing. So it really depends what is the industry in which you are. What's the nature of the work? What what does your experience have have you know taught you about what works best and what work doesn't work that um, good? And then you know even just experience of um, COVID as we were mentioning before, it brought to us new levels of understanding of how um, and when we sometimes can can work um, better, you know, uh, apart from the idea of working in the office. So just take into the account, not just the nature of the work, not just the um, acceptance uh, and respect for individual style, but also what do we learn from these experiences and how do these experiences are then informing the decisions that, that we are making. Join us next time for the final part of this conversation, where we discuss the use of stereotypes to make business decisions. We are excited to have a research team led by our very own Dr. Patrick Gallagher, dedicated to the advancement of leadership and team psychology. Learn more about their cutting-edge work by visiting us on the web at truestleadershipinstitute.com. For show notes or to learn more about Truest Leadership Institute, visit us on the web at truestleadershipinstitute.com. Leadership Amplitude is a podcast production of Truest Leadership Institute. All rights reserved.